And Father, we continue to worship you in the name of Jesus here today. Thank you for that wonderful, beautiful, powerful name of Jesus. Father, as we open up our lives today to worship you, thank you that you invite us to come to you in the name of Jesus and through the power of Jesus. As we look back over this past year, we know, Father, there have been times when when we've needed you, we've needed to call on you, and thank you for being merciful and gracious to be there for us, to welcome us into your arms. And as we anticipate moving into another year, God, I just pray that, that the, the energy that we have will come from that which you offer us through the wonderful name of our Savior, Jesus. And so as we continue now to worship you, God, we pray that your, your power would fall upon us, that your blessing would fall upon us, and that your word would fall upon open hearts and open ears, and that we would allow your word to change us today in that wonderful, powerful, beautiful name of Jesus. Because it's in Jesus' name we pray, in Jesus' name we continue to worship. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us today. If, uh, <clears throat> if there's children here, you would like to go to your place of worship, now would be the time to do that, as I invite the rest of you to open your Bible uh, to the book of 1 John. If you've been with us over this past month, you know that this is our fifth week in uh, this little letter of 1 John, and God willing, today we will wrap up our, our thoughts uh, from this letter of 1 John. And so again, we want to welcome you into this last day of 2023 as we worship the Lord together. So your Bible's open to 1 John chapter 5. Let me read aloud and you follow along with me as I read this chapter for us today. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water, and the blood, and these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater, for this is the testimony of God, that He is born concerning His Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar, because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning His Son. And this is the testimony, that God gave us 
eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. And whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of Him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him life to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. This is the word of the Lord. Well, every year, uh, many people set New Year's resolutions and then are challenged to keep them. Um, I wonder if you made a list of New Year's resolutions this year, what would be on your list? Most resolutions might include things like, for people like me, flossing more regularly. I'm married to a dental hygienist, and I get checked regularly. <laughs> Reducing stress might be on your list. Reading more, getting organized, traveling more. Uh, some people resolve to reduce spending or eat healthier or spend more time with family. Almost everyone resolves to exercise more and lose weight and so forth. It's interesting, though, that by the middle of January, what happens to most resolutions? Whoop, they're out the window. Uh, someone tweeted this week, it's my resolution to lose 25 pounds. I only have 35 more pounds to go. <laughs> and, and that's the way most resolutions go. In 1 John chapter 5, we're called on to establish a pattern of living that follows the example of Jesus. Uh, Jesus was resolved to keep his vision and his mission crystal clear. He never wavered from living out the resolve that he had to follow the will of God. He was resolved to keep his mission and his vision crystal clear and never wavered from it whatsoever. For example, when John the Baptist introduced Jesus, he introduced Jesus this way. He said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Well, everyone during that day knew that a lamb was 
to be presented to God as a perfect sacrifice to cover someone's sin. The blood of the lamb covered the sin of the person who was making the sacrifice. And because Jesus knew that he had to live a perfect life so he could perfectly not only cover your sin, but take away your sin, he was resolved to keep that commitment to be the perfect, sinless, holy Lamb of God that we just sang about, that we just shared in celebrating in our worship. He was resolved. Jesus was resolved to wait until the right time, the Bible says, to become that perfect sacrifice. At just the right time, he turned toward Jerusalem. He never looked back. He was dead set on carrying out his mission, carrying out his vision to take upon himself the wrath of God that you and I deserve for our sin. And to take away the wrath of God for the sin, actually, of the whole world, the Bible says. I trust and pray that as you look back on 2023, and as you begin to turn and focus on 2024, that you take a minute today and just make sure that you have trusted in the gift that God has offered you in Jesus Christ to be the sacrificial Lamb of God who takes away your personal sin. Have you made that commitment to Him? Have you put your trust in Him? Have you realized that He fulfilled His mission and His vision to be your Savior? In order for Him to be your Savior, you have to receive that gift. We celebrated the gift of Jesus at Christmas but it can become personal to you when you invite Him into your life and invite Him to be your Lord and Savior. So, today I want to challenge you to make some basic resolutions to let your light shine for Jesus in 2024. And obviously that can only be true when you accept Him and trust Him as your personal Lord and Savior. So I pray earnestly that you have done that. 1 John chapter 5 is truly a great foundation for establishing at least four resolutions for us as we move into 2024. So let's just dig into the text this morning and look at how John kind of takes a net and draws around everything he said in the last four chapters of this letter and pulls it all together to launch us into life. And for us, for life in 2024. Let's look at this foundation. First of all, I'm resolved to believe in Jesus. Remember, John is writing to Christians. He's writing to believers. And so it's very important that we, if we know Jesus, and if we're walking with Him, that we continue to put our faith in Him, we continue to believe in Him after we have trusted Him as our Savior. See, everything in life happens because it revolves around what you believe. What you believe affects your total actions. And so John lays out some things here that we must resolve to believe. And we can only, we can only really believe and implement these beliefs in our life with God's power, with the strength that He gives us through Jesus. 
And in order for us to be consistent in carrying out our resolutions, we have to believe that God will give us that power, and we have to trust Him to daily give us that power. Jesus is the source and the object of true faith. Look at verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. I pray that that's you. I trust that that's you, that you have put your trust and faith in God alone. As a kid, my cousin Ernie received for Christmas one year a Superman outfit. And he got so wrapped up in that that he really believed that he was Superman. So he, he climbed up in a barn 15 feet up off the ground and he put his cape on, his Superman cape on, and he dove out of the barn. And guess what happened? He nearly broke his neck <laughs> because he had put his trust and faith in something that was not secure, something that was not solid, something that was not trustworthy. What you believe must have a trustworthy source. And so John reminds us, John says that Jesus is the one and only true source and object of faith in God. If you want to walk with God, if you want to know God and let Him be a part of your life, the door that God has placed for you to walk through in order to know Him is putting your trust and putting your faith in Jesus. He's the object and the source of true faith. Look at verse 5 of 1 John chapter 5. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So is that you? Do you believe that Jesus is the true and living Son of God? Verse 6 says, This is He that came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that, tes three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For there is the testimony of God that He is born concerning His Son. There is validated evidence that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So when Jesus claimed to be the Son of God, when He walked here on this earth, religious leaders of His day challenged that reality. That Jesus was the Son of God. In fact, they cried blasphemy when he said that he was equal with God. And in fact, that's what led to the crucifixion of Jesus. That was the charge that led to Jesus being placed on the cross. But here's the reality. You can't be a Christian without believing that Jesus is God. He is God in human flesh. 100% God and 100% man. And I hope you're aware that from the standpoint of the world, that's 100% impossible. But yet 100% believable to those who put our faith and trust in God. So it's important as you move into 2024 that you realize that Jesus is God and that's important because He wants to come alongside you and walk with you as the Son of God. 
John says that only those who know the Son have the life that God promises in His name. And I want to challenge you this year to be conscious and aware that when you put your trust and faith in Jesus, you are walking hand in hand with God. He is with you as we celebrated at Christmas. He's God's Son. All Scripture leads to Him. All Scripture is about the fact that Jesus is God. And He came to live among us. As John says here, He's water and blood. He's both 100% from God and 100% man. So in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4, the Apostle Paul writes, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Are you aware that going through this year, I trust that you, you claim the fact that God is with you. God is walking with you. God is hand in hand with you through the ups and downs of this coming year's life. So what makes Jesus the one and only trustworthy source and object of our faith? Well, in verses 10 through 12, the Bible says He is God and Jesus is the testimony of God. Verse 10, whoever believes that the Son of God has the testimony in Himself... Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. This is the testimony that God gave us eternal life and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son of God has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. So what is John saying? The words that Jesus spoke were God's words. And consistently with the word of God, Jesus backed up the fact that God, God's words were in him by the way that he lived. His actions supported the fact that he was God. And then to put the icing on the cake, the resurrection of Jesus validated the fact that Jesus was 100% God. He was the testimony of God. Your eternity hinges on the testimony of Jesus. In verse 13, John says, Jesus is the only way to eternal life. Look what he says. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Now, we said this last week, but some people struggle over whether they are a believer or not, whether they have eternal life or not. And John settles this. He says, when you believe in Jesus, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, then you have eternal life. Everyone who believes has eternal life. So you believe in something. You either put your faith and trust in yourself, or you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Your true core belief controls the actions of your life. To act like you're a believer in Christ means that you have a foundation that's solid. That your faith is in Jesus, it's not in yourself. This has popped up on YouTube again, but this past year when we were in Zambia, 
Lindsay and I decided that we were going to bungee jump off of the Victoria Falls Bridge. Now, we saw videos of people bungeeing off that bridge, and everything was great with them. Uh, we heard people talk about how excited they were about jumping off that bridge, right, Gary? I mean, people were excited that they had jumped off that bridge, bungeed off that bridge. Lindsay even made me go first to validate the fact that that, that bungee cord was secure. And so when I jumped off the bridge and came up to talk about it, she had more confidence, more faith. When, when John wrote this letter, he says he knew what he had seen with his eyes. He was 100% sure that he could trust the testimony of Jesus because he had experienced hands-on the miracles of Jesus. Hands-on, he had heard Jesus teach. He had witnessed, he stood there and watched Jesus be crucified. And then for 40 days after the resurrection, he interacted with Jesus. He knew that the testimony of Jesus was true. And as you move into 2024, I want you to have that kind of confidence that, that Jesus is alive today and He's with you when you put your faith, when you put your trust, when you believe in Him. It's imperative that day by day you take the testimony of Jesus with you as you walk through the challenges of this life. Look at verse 20. We know not guess, not think, not hope. We know that the Son of Man has come and has given us understanding so that we might know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. So it's critically important that you resolve in 2024 to walk with this resurrected Jesus to put your faith and trust in Him. Now I know that uh, many of us, sadly, have known people who claim to be Christians and then kind of fallen away. Some truly Christians that have just been knocked kind of off, off, off their bearings. How does that happen? Why does that happen? Well, here's why it happens. It starts by letting what you believe drift from making all of life about Jesus. You begin to put your faith in yourself. You begin to look at your own emotions. And you drift away from putting your trust and faith in Jesus and making all of life about Him. And that's a, that's a, that's a true formula to, to failure in letting your light shine for Jesus. So let me sum up what I mean here by believing in Jesus. Believing in Jesus is more than just mentally acknowledging that He is God. Even mentally acknowledging that you believe in the teachings of Jesus or mentally believing that Jesus arose from the grave. All of those things are important. But the belief that John's talking about here is more than just believing facts, more than just intellectually believing. 
In fact, John is saying that when you really put your trust and faith in Jesus, your actions are going to show it. Because your actions follow what you believe, what you truly believe in your heart. And so belief in Jesus is a surrender of all of our lives to Him. It's letting Him control our thoughts and control our feelings. And consequently, our actions will flow from that. And so if you look at your life and there are no actions showing that you're a believer, you might want to go back and check whether you've really put your faith and trust and belief in Jesus Christ. Because when you believe in Him, like John's talking about here, your actions will follow. So I challenge you to resolve this year, in 2024, to believe in Jesus and let Him guide your actions. One of the saddest statements of Jesus is found in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21, where Jesus said this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. So your actions follow your beliefs. If you truly believe in Jesus, your actions are going to follow in actions that bring glory and honor and praise to Jesus. But there's a second ingredient to the solid foundation that just builds on this foundation of faith. Remember, first of all, the most important decision you can make in your life and resolve that you can make in your soul is to know Jesus and make all of life about Him. But secondly, John says, I'm resolved to love like Jesus. I'm resolved to love like Jesus. Jesus taught us that the greatest commandment was to love God with all your heart and then do what? Love your neighbor as yourself. Love one another. In verse 2 of 1 John chapter 5, he says, By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey His commandments. Now, if you want to hear a great message on what love looks like, what the love of God looks like, look at the message Morgan preached last Sunday from 1 John chapter 4. He gave us eight principles for what love really looks like, what true love really looks like. Here in chapter 5, though, John adds one more deep dimension. And he reminds us that loving God means putting God first, loving Him first, and then loving God's family. And then loving and obeying God means keeping His commandments. Keeping His commandments. See, the first four commandments deal with our vertical relationship with God. The last four commandments deal with our horizontal relationship with one another, with other people. Uh, we know that we're loving according to God's standard when we have no other gods before Him, when we have no idols before God, when we do not take the name of the Lord in vain, when we remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Those are the vertical commandments that God gives. The last six commandments are outward commandments, outward expressions of God's love. We honor our father and mother. We do not murder. We do not commit adultery. We do not steal. We do not bear false witness against our neighbor. 
We do not covet. Wrapping this up, it means we respect authority, we respect life, we respect people and vows, we respect property, we respect honesty and integrity, we respect our position in life. Now understand this, these commandments flow from the relationship we have with God. We don't work our way to God by keeping these commandments. That's what the religious leaders of the day of Jesus thought. They thought they could work their way to earn their place with God. It's just the opposite. We receive our relationship with God as a gift from Him, and then when we receive that relationship with God, what flows out of our life is the result of these commandments of God. God's commandments never change. His commandments are always in your best interest and the best interest of those around you as well as the best interest of honoring God as who He is. So again, there are two ways to try to keep these commandments. You can be like religious leaders of the day of Jesus. You can try to keep these commandments in your own strength. And guess what? That's a horrible mistake. That's a true path to failure. You can't even keep one of these commandments perfectly and completely. Only one person has ever done that, and that's Jesus. And so if we want to love other people like John is asking us to do here, we have to be willing to put our trust again and our faith in Jesus. In Matthew chapter 19, Jesus was asked by a man, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And the response that Jesus gave was simple. He said, keep all the commandments. And the young man says, well, I can do that. I've done that. I've kept the commandments since my youth. And Jesus said, oh, yeah? Then go sell everything that you have and give it to the poor and then come and follow me. And the Bible says that that young man lowered his head and went away sorrowfully because he had great possessions. And the point that Jesus was making was this. You can't keep the commandments in your own strength. You can't be perfect. But here's the beautiful thing. The second way to keep God's commandments is to put your trust in Jesus and then love like Jesus loved. You're powerless in your own strength. But because Jesus was the perfect, holy, righteous Son of God and perfectly fulfilled the law, every commandment, he fulfilled perfectly. When you put your belief in Him, and when you live life in Him, then and only then can you carry out this command that, that God gives us in His Word to keep the commandments. So what's the answer? Well, the answer is to love like Jesus. Put God first, others ahead of yourself, and then love yourself enough to love like Jesus. Look back at verse 1 for just a minute. John said, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. 
By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. The easiest way to live life burden-free is to put your hands, put your life, put your hand in the hand of Jesus, love Him with all your heart, and let Him love others through you. That's, without, that's living life without burden. That's being burdenless. See, Jesus has done for you what you cannot do for yourself. He has perfectly fulfilled the law. So you don't have to try. You can just trust Him and walk with Him. So resolve this year to let Him love through you. When you love like Jesus, you, you grow daily to love the Father. You grow daily to be changed by Jesus. You grow daily to be on mission with Jesus and love others like Jesus loves you. So let life and the way you love be all about Him and follow Him in loving God and loving others. I've recently been working through our coaching guidebook with one of the men in our church. He's actually going through one of the darkest times of his life. And one of the closing chapters in our little study guide that we use for coach training, he had written at the bottom of his guidebook his motto for this coming year. And here's what he has written in bold letters. He said, love God and love others. He's going through a time in his life where he's been rejected. It's a painful time for him. And yet he has committed his life to loving God and loving others. See, one choice when you're rejected or when you're hurt or when you're going through a tough time in life is to make the focus of life about you, about yourself. Even worse, it's about trying to get even, showing resentment towards someone who has hurt you or someone who has treated you poorly. Where does that path lead? That path leads to darkness. That path leads to more hurt and more pain. The better choice, John says, is to focus on Jesus, to focus on your walk with Him. He knows your hurt. He knows your concern. He knows your weakness. He knows your pain. And He cares. And He's there to draw you to Himself so you can love Him and then love others like He loves others. He wants to walk with you through the darkness. He wants to walk with you through the pain. He wants to walk with you through the power of His marvelous light to bring you out of darkness into light. Jesus loves you so you can love others. So resolve this year to love like Jesus in the power of Jesus, not in your own strength. So I'm resolved this year to believing in Jesus. I'm resolved this year to loving like Jesus. Thirdly, I'm resolved this year to pray like Jesus. Pray like Jesus. 
verse 14. 1 John 5. This is the commandment that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Circle that word, ask. Five different times in this little paragraph, He uses the word A-S-K, ask. So I want to challenge you to make 2024 a year of prayer. There's so much about prayer I don't understand. I sure wouldn't, wouldn't even start to explain everything there is to know about prayer. But here's one thing I do know for certain. God has asked us to pray. He's asked me to pray. So he closes, John closes this letter with instructions for effective prayer. He starts out in verse 14. We ask anything according to his will. He hears us. Um, see, there's a right way to ask, and there's a wrong way to ask. The wrong way to ask is to put the focus on ourselves, to put the focus on what we want. In James chapter 4 and verse 3, James says, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly. To spend on your own passions. That's the wrong way to pray. True prayer is asking according to God's will. It's making sure that the priority of your prayers is honorable before God. Every day I'm invited in the present, into the presence of God to ask things that are honorable to Him. That give glory to Him. So in Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 2, we're reminded that God has scales that weigh our motives. What's inside of our heart? Why are we praying what we're praying? Are we praying, in other words, to give glory to God? Are we praying to honor Him with our lives? What is God's will? Well, God's will will always be consistent with the Word of God, the Bible. God's will will always be consistent with the character and nature of God. And we have an example of that in Jesus and in those who follow Jesus. God's will will always be consistent with His activity to rescue you from your sin and to rescue the world from their sin. So the model that we have, the best model we have for prayer is Jesus. And when when Jesus prayed, he said this, Father, not my will be done, but your will be done. Is that the way you're praying? Is that the motive for your prayer? I pray that as we move into 2024, that will be the model that we follow. Pray this year with God's will in mind. Pray that God will be glorified when you pray according to his will. Look at verse 15. If we know that He hears us, and whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of Him. So that leads us to pray for personal needs that we have. When we have personal needs, pray that God will be honored in the way we even pray for the personal needs that we have. 
Someone once said that prayer is the natural breath of a genuine relationship with God. Really? Your and my genuine relationship with God is reflected by how we pray. Is that sobering or what? Jesus modeled this for us. In the way Jesus lived, every major decision Jesus made, every major decision he made, he spent the whole night praying before he made that major decision. When Jesus prayed, he asked God to give him his daily bread. I mean, that's about as basic as you can get. And so from the major decision that he made to the most basic decision that he made, Jesus modeled for us how to pray. Don't you want that to be the story of your life in 2024? That the big challenges that you have, you lay out before God, you agonize before God, you pray before God that He will be glorified in the decision that you make. In the everyday ordinary things that we just take so for granted, are we willing to pray and ask God to bless us as we seek things like daily bread and shelter and transportation and just the basic needs of our life. So prayer is focusing on our needs. It's also focusing on the needs of others, John says. Look at verse 16. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him life to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is a sin that does not lead to death. Now, two things about this. <clears throat> Number one, your prayers, if you're a believer, for me, can change my life. And my prayers for you can change your life. And our prayers for each other can change our lives. Prayer is God's powerful way of working to bring about change in the lives of believers. One another, the one another's kinds of prayer. But this thing about praying for the sin that leads to death. I mean, there, there's so many different thoughts about that. But one thing is for sure. There's no need to be praying for people who have already died. Too late for that. In the first century, when John wrote this letter, there was this thing going around about praying for people who had died. Um, focus your attention praying for people that can be affected by that prayer. It's the point that John's making here. But then there's a deeper point. Um, you know, every week we receive prayer requests through our church app, and I encourage you to use that. Use our church app, our church website, to share your prayers because we need to be praying for one another, and the more we know about what's going on in each other's lives, the more we can pray for each other, and that's important. But at a deeper level, John is encouraging us to pray trusting Jesus to forgive our sins. 
Bible says that we're all sinners. Remember, this letter is written to believers. And when believers turn off the path and sin, we need to pray for one another, to help one another, to encourage one another. Look at verse 18 of 1 John 5. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him. What? You and I have the opportunity to support one another and lift one another up and pray for one another as we interact with one another to overcome the power of sin in our lives. The evil one does not touch him. I covet your prayers. I want you praying for me so I will not sin. I want to pray for you so you will not sin. That takes interactive relationship with one another to know one another and pray for one another. I, I remember when I went to college, every day of my life when I was in college, I know that my mother was praying for me, urgently, diligently praying for me. And I know that that kept me from making some really bad choices most of the time because she was holding me up every day in, in prayer. And I need that from you, and you need that from me. We need that from each other. Verse 19, we know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Since Genesis chapter 3, Satan has been wanting to destroy the life of those who walk with God. And it's encouraging to know that when we pray for one another, we have power to overcome the temptation of Satan. The power of our resurrected Jesus gives you and me as believers protection from this evil world. So resolve to live in 2024 in the power of prayer. Make prayer a priority in your life. Pray according to God's will. Pray making personal requests. Pray praying for each other. Praying for one another. And pray trusting God to forgive us of our sins daily. Because that's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus died. To set us free from the power of our sin. I'd like to challenge you to join me this year, as a matter of fact. Every day, uh, I want us to take a journal. And sometime, either at the beginning of the day, reflecting on the day before, or at the end of the day, reflecting on that day. Let's commit to write down a summary of what we prayed for and how God has answered our prayer. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing to, to, to log what God has done for us through prayer and log what we are asking God to do for us in prayer? If you don't have a journal, let me know. I'll give you one. <laughs> I mean, I have stacks of journals that have nothing written on. I'd be happy to share one with you. But let's write down how God is working in our life through prayer in 2024. And that leads me to the last foundation for a solid resolve in this coming year. I'm resolved to worship God alone. Now, John wraps up this whole letter that he writes, all five chapters, with one central command. In verse 21, he says, I'm resolved to worship God alone. Little children, 
Keep yourselves from idols. An idol is anything that you put in the highest priority in your life. I have a simple definition for worship. Worship is showing love to God with all my life. It's what we do on Sunday, but it's more than what we do on Sunday. It's a 24-7, 365 kind of thing. Worship is God-focused. Worship is living life with God and living life for God. It's respecting God in every area of our lives. It's showing gratitude to God for His mercy, for His grace. Simply stated, worship is about recognizing God's worth. And then celebrating His worth accordingly, responding accordingly. Yes, it includes attending services and singing and praying. But it's so much more than that. True worship is reflected in what we think about God. And how we speak to God and how we speak about God. How we spend our time, how we spend our money. How we enjoy the gifts that God has given us and use them to serve people for the glory of God. How we leverage our work for the glory of God. And in Corinthians, Paul says, even how we eat and drink, do all to the glory of God. See, worship is an all-consuming kind of activity. And any idol that you put above God, anything that you prioritize over God, is sinful. It destroys our connection with God. So worship Him with all your life this year. Remember, the door to life is Jesus. And He invites us to come through that door every single day of our life. You make that initial commitment to Jesus and then every day of your life you continue to come through the door of life that He opens to you in Jesus. Faith and belief in Jesus opens that door to eternal life. Prayer is the key that unlocks the door to Jesus. Love is the welcome mat that we have to abiding in life with Jesus. And the environment with life in Jesus is worship. Giving praise and worth to God. So how will you respond in 2023 to the invitation that God has given us to let our light shine for Him, to make life all about Him. How can you exercise your faith in 2024? In review, let me remind you to exercise your upward faith by daily living in communion with God. In other words, you believe with Jesus you believe through reading His Word and applying it to life. You exercise your inner faith, your inward faith, by praying without ceasing. That's what Jesus taught us to do. Pray without ceasing. You exercise your outward faith by regularly fellowshipping with other believers and witnessing to the world. And one of the best ways I've found to do that is by being involved in our small group. 
I mean, we share life together in our small group. We fellowship with one another in our small group. We love one another like Jesus. And that's the picture of God's church, as a matter of fact. It's fellowshipping with one another and witnessing to the world. And then finally, we exercise our all-around faith by laying down any idol that could possibly interfere with us prioritizing God as the number one thing in our life, worshiping Him as the number one priority in all of our life. Worship God alone. Little children, let us avoid idolatry, anything that comes between us and God. So resolve with me to make 2024 count. Let's pray together. God, thank you for laying a foundation for us to put our belief in you. Thank you, God, for inviting us to walk with you and love like Jesus loved. Thank you for inviting us into your presence constantly to live a life focused and driven by prayer. And thank you, God, for drawing us into your presence. Because when we come into your presence, we can't help but bow down like the prophet Isaiah and worship you and cry out, holy, holy, holy. Lord, how I pray that this will be the pattern of our life as we resolve to walk with you through 2024 in the power and in the name and in the love of our beautiful Savior, Jesus.